This episode is sponsored by Silknodes, your validator in the Cosmos ecosystem. Centralization in Cosmos is a huge issue. For example, do you know how many nodes it takes to hold an major network on Cosmos? For Cosmos Hub and Osmosis, it's only six nodes. For Juno Network, it's eight nodes, and for Stargate Zone, it's only 10 nodes. This is a major issue for blockchain to ever go mainstream. To solve this, we need you to delegate or redelegate to smaller validators. Silknodes is a great, relatively small validator that validates blocks on major networks like Cosmos, Juno, Osmosis, Epmos, and more. So go and delegate to Silknodes today and help blockchain become truly decentralized. Real Yields is the talk of today. Thank you so much, guys, for joining this first panel out of hopefully many in the, the Cosmos Club where we bring experts, builders together around a certain topic that is uh, booming or will be booming soon enough in, uh, in crypto and in blockchain. Real Yield is really the talk of the town these days. So just to kick us off, maybe uh, you can just briefly explain what your individual approach is to real yields and what it means to you. And I guess, Valio, uh, because you started or you came in first, I'll, uh, I'll let you speak first also. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, hey everyone listening. Uh, hi to the others. Um, so real yield is interesting because the way we look at it from Quasar's perspective is really just enabling people to invest into what they deem to be real yield. Um, I think if you make if you draw comparisons to uh, TradFi, um, what we call yield is essentially just dividends, right? It's profits, it's dividends, it's payout of of value generation uh, in one shape or form. And whether that is because a company grew super fast, like Amazon, in which case you would consider you know the yield being um, the payout that you have by keeping the stock, or it's you know dividend um, companies that just pay you six eight percent per year to hold it. Um, I think it's much more interesting to see what the community deems to be a real yield and what protocols deem to be a sustainable approach to yield um, because a lot of the market dynamics we saw in the bull market um, about how to approach, you know, boosts and uh, token give out are not sustainable anymore and need to be adjusted downwards. Yeah, just to bring it home. So what for Kassar is real yield? How do you guys approach real yields uh, in your yeah, end? I, I can speak to the sommelier perspective. Um, you know, the incentives, like protocols give incentives. Those things can be variable in terms of quality and duration. And over the past year, it feels like users just really want to understand where the yield is coming from and, and really value like sustainable yields with that, with no smoke and mirrors, no gimmicks, just, you know, very easy to understand and, and they value that quality. So that's really been a big focus for us is these incentive programs can come and go. There's always going to be a new incentive scheme, but like the, with everything in crypto, the, the true like organic stuff is the stuff that lasts. And so we're just trying to provide, you know, that for DeFi users across different ecosystems. And if, if I may add to that with just one sentence, I think the reason that we are all in this call is because uh, each and every one of our projects, Kujira, Sum, or Quasar, uh, we all share the goal of enabling people access to what they deem real yield, right? It's the marketizing access to financial products independently of how complicated they are. So yeah, it's cool to see a lot of similar opinions here. 
Awesome. I'll pass on the mic to you, Dove. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, really spot on. Um, and I've been taking a really good look at both um, the products. Both your products is really fantastic. And just hearing you guys speak there, um, it's pretty much exactly in line with um, how we feel. We we have so just to go back to the start. Basically, we view Kujera um, a little bit more in terms of a traditional business, right? So if you would compare, like, let's say our staking is only, you know, whatever it is, 2% a year, um, we see that as quite a win because, you know, most startups would actually probably launch into heavy losses. So our approach to real yield from a platform perspective, I respect that, you know, it's a little bit different to the setup of, of, of the other guys. But from a platform perspective, we are seeing this as um, a real business and the protocols that come on board are then usually 99% on board with revenue sharing. And so, yeah, for us, it's trying to find um, specific protocols and, um, you know, projects internally that can actually generate some kind of actual um, sales and revenue. And then we pass it on to stakers. So that's our model. Yeah. May I add to that? Um... I think what you said about the, the low inflation and sustainability is absolutely true. I would just say for the sake of a lot of protocols I've seen where it also works is high inflation in the beginning is a driver of adoption, right? It is essentially an expense if you may look at it this way. It's not obviously sustainable, but it is a bootstrapping uh, method. And also you mentioned the platform aspect. And I would say that we are actually quite similar with you on this. Um, just instead of you guys internalizing everything, which makes Kujira um, obviously a very, very interesting token to hold, uh, we went for the approach of splitting up the governance and the control of what is happening on the platform. So essentially vaults are governed by depositors and the chain is governed by Quasar holders. So this also allows for a bit more, uh, I would say, independence positioning is what we're, what we're going for. Um, so I can resonate with what you say. Yeah, no, that sounds wicked, man. It'll be good to pick your brain on on some of those approaches that you've done. Um, yeah, epic. And I think actually, on the, I want to. Somalia side, I, I think you know, you both make like great points where there is definitely value in using inflation up to to bootstrap, right, and and really get the flywheel going, and then at the same time, uh, you know, we we provide these vault strategies and they generate you know, revenues. And so those fees and revenues generated from those strategies are passed on to some stakers. And so that's one of the, the ways we go about real yield is like, you know, to the extent this product is adopted and generates fees like that, that is passed on to the stakers. So, uh, yeah, we, we recognize that the benefits of both approaches, you know, using that inflationary mechanism to help bootstrap some growth, but then the sustainability of, you know, real yield and, and finding that product market fit. I would actually also tap in and say that the way that you guys distribute profits is also very smart and much more aligned to the Kujira approach in a sense. So I, we have like basically two sides, right? We have one, one side we have is inflation, a drug that needs to be uh, basically taken away from people dependent on it. Or is it a way, you know, like coffee to, to start your day, to jumpstart your growth. And at the same time, do you want to internalize profit distribution to have one cohesive system or are you going for splitting it um, to become much more I would say a, a background player right I would for instance expect 
in the future, most people are going to engage with the Quasar chain to actually not even know about the Quasar chain, which is obviously a bit of a different path. Yeah, man, I that, that abstracting um, what's going on in the background is something that we are super passionate about as well. Um, so yeah, I, I totally hear you there. I, it, we really should get to the point where people are just interacting with products and you know things that they believe are getting them ahead in some way. Um, that would be awesome. I mean, even even in the cosmos, right? Which is brilliant. Which how interconnected everything is. Um, it is you know I, we probably have a little a little bit of a ways to go before everything feels completely connected. But I just wanted to make one super quick point on the the um, you know the kind of inflationary stuff that you guys mentioned. So <clears throat> obviously, Kujira came swinging out the gates and you know making a you know obviously quite a big noise about the fact that we wanted zero inflation on the chain. But I just wanted to mention that we're definitely not like what that is the devil. Like for example, we have Bo now, a new a new product that allows you to um, basically market make books, um, and those the, the basically people can anyone can come along and incentivize. We've incentivized the whole bunch. Other projects have, and as you guys both mentioned, that does it has created a flywheel. You know, the TVL has gone up a lot, and and now you know. USK is being minted. So anyway, I just wanted to say that we're not we're not exactly totally on one side or the other on that. And um, it really, uh, yeah, it's fantastic what you guys are all doing. So yeah, I just wanted to say we're not like super super against it for sure. Yeah, I I think it's very hard to be like black or, or white on really anything in crypto. Like so many things are a spectrum. And so yeah, I just wanted to hear what y'all thought about that because it comes like Based. with. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say what you said is based. I, I didn't want to interrupt you. The, the, that's all I had to say. Um, but yeah, so much of it is a spect spectrum and like there's just such a wide design space. So I, I like when folks, you know, tap into different places along that spectrum. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, it's also interesting, um, you know, we, we talked about real yield and this is obviously the, the overlying topic, but um, it's fascinating to look at incentives as a playing factor into real yield, right? Because would you, I mean, that's a question to the room, honestly, would you consider real yield to be sustainable subsidizing or sustainable, um, I would say, boosting of what the protocol wants to incentivize and by boosting it, actually growing that revenue as well? Or would you consider that to be a short-term solution that needs to be readjusted as you move along? Yeah, man. I mean, I can probably chip in there. I don't know if there's questions, but yeah, Mark, if you want to open up, that's cool. I don't know what, you know, um, but yeah, I anyway. I want to ask both of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, 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 I do think that if you, if, so the way we're thinking about it is basically like a marketing budget, right? So as you probably all know, it's people always talk about marketing and why, you know, go, I'm sure we all get it all, always, right? Do more marketing, do more marketing. It's like, Hey man, you know, Google blocks anything crypto related. I think Facebook is the same, you know, Instagram and that you can't be too vocal. You've, you know, so basically there aren't many outlets other than the ones that just go around and, and circle around in the same industry. Right. So it's pretty, pretty difficult. Um, so with that in mind, we've seen that the, the adoption that we got from, um, so it's very, very capital efficient, right? So like we could, we could sort of pay even like 200,000 Kuji a year for like a decade and keep the bow pools, 
you know, really sustainable. So a decent APR, but nothing crazy. But that's also fanning out the, the order book and making it. So anyway, what for me personally, as, as one of the founders, I look at it as a no-brainer because I don't think we could get that much adoption um, by taking that same amount of money and I don't know, you know, what putting it on a billboard or something. So yeah, I, I, that's just my perspective. Okay, yeah, no, I think that's the right approach. Uh, also regarding ads, we literally can't run ads from the Quasar account. There's some sort of something happened, we can't run an ad and there's no one in Twitter anymore that can unblock uh, Web3 accounts from running ads. So highly recommend both of you to be as careful as possible because Elon's yeah. 350 actually caused there to be literally zero person responsible for ads of Web3 companies right now. Um, but that's mm -hmm. that's beside the point. That's just a PSA. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think your approach is, I, I would agree with that. It's um, if, you, if your incentivizations are long-term oriented, um, then they, they can generate real yield, right? And the indirect investments in marketing, I think there's so many memes on, on YouTube about like corporate bro and all of that stuff, which is like, well, what is your, how do you help the company, right? Asking that to legal or asking that to marketing, like, well, how much, you know, how much did you save? How much did you make us? But it's those indirect investments that grow, that create the biggest growth, right? Can you really quantify how much time Elon Musk spent on trying to make people talk about Tesla? You really can't, but I would say that's a driving reason, driving, haha, uh, that it's as big as it is today. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're touching on something that's very important and, and extremely uh, different from many other companies I'm out there. I'm going to and Dove. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, okay, you're just agreeing. Yeah, so basically what I want to say is... Um, before we go too crazy on the questions, is that uh, inflation, in many ways, inflating tokens, is marketing. And if you sort of boil down to what we're building here, we're building blockchains. And what, what can blockchains sell? They, they sell block space, really. But what if you find yourself in a situation where nobody wants to buy into the chain and, and, and fill up a block space? What do you have then? Well, you have to reward people for buying into the token, buying into the ecosystem to govern the chain. And that's essentially what inflating uh, or inflation in tokens uh, mean. But just to give uh, the audience uh, a bit of crypto history here, uh, we got DeFi Summer back in 2020. It was pretty wild for anyone who was part of it. Uh, you got all these crazy high APRs and APYs where you could sort of project yourself to become a gazillionaire within just a few years. Um, I mean, that was all great. It was a, it was a fantastic dream. But it stayed at that, right? A dream that wasn't sustainable. Um, however, this sort of fascination with high returns, getting rich quick, is as old as money itself, perhaps. It's a very powerful force, at least in us humans. So I guess the question for you guys is, how can real yield tokens, protocols, ecosystems, whatever you want to call it, how can you compete with that? I mean, you are all in, in that boat, right? You're not having super high inflation and, and all these kind of things, how can you compete with very high sort of inflation tokens and, and ecosystems? I'll let, um, I'll let you, Josh, answer that first. I, I think he has a bit of delay. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, then I'll let you, uh, Duff, because, uh, Vilo, you were the first last time. <laughs> Fair, fair. 
<laughs> sorry, I think I cut out. Repeat the question super quick. I'm sorry. There was a crackle. Yeah, no worries. Basically, <laughs> the question is, how does real yield tokens, platform, uh, not platforms, protocols, uh, or blockchains, like Kujira, like you guys, uh, how do you compete with ecosystems that have really high inflation tokens, you know, promising 200% uh, return on whenever you buy a token? How can you compete with that? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, so for me, I, I'm not trying to get too technical or whatever, because I feel like it's almost more a human thing, this, right? Um, people, I get the feeling that there's a lot of churn and burn when you go through crypto cycles. Um, and I think that if you look at the communities that I assume are attached to probably give or take all of all, all three projects on the panel, um, I think you would find that, you know, we share that kind of similar vision. Obviously, that's why we're on this call. And I think, well, what I've seen personally is that there's been, I think, well, I mean, I think I've been through three cycles and now, you know, every time the one big difference that I saw from this last one was that, you know, Cosmos really thrived and, you know, even with Terra and all these projects kind of coming back onto their feet. Um, I th just my feeling is that what it did is that it brought a whole bunch of people that were like, poof, you know, we've been burnt. Um, and we do think it's maybe time for a change. And then on top of that, I've seen that change start to rattle up, you know, throughout Twitter and stuff. And obviously this real yield thing came up. So I, I, my answer is just a, a very, very sort of broad one that I feel that it's actually just from, from what I've seen, potentially just these cycles of particularly crazy stuff and then people jumping back up and then looking for something else. So just my opinion is that it's not just a kind of buzzword. Um, probably the crypto communities are getting more mature as each cycle goes bang and bust and then it gets more and more stable. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm hoping that people are just kind of getting more mature within the digital finance sphere in general. And then, yeah, um, that just grows from there. Um, let me let me draw a comparison. Uh, does this room, the listeners um, know that you can get around 50 to 70 percent on your Argentine, Argentine peso per year if you have a bank account, savings account? Or did you know that you can get up to 20% on your Russian rubles if you hold it? You don't hear a lot of people talking about keeping those currencies. I, I didn't. Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, and you don't hear a lot of people hearing and talking about, you know, I think today is the day to buy Russian ruble, you know, um, because it's about longevity, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, mm. You can have high numbers, but if the underlying assets drop more than those percentages, it's not worth the risk, right? Um, and if those underlying assets, they're going to drop if you give out this much, if there's not value to back it up. Um, think about it this way. Let's look at Olympus DAO. And, you know, I'm not going to make statements about the legitimacy of the project. I think there is incredible devs working on it, but I don't want to go into the gist of the mechanics. But in a time where Olympus DAO had more than 10,000% inflation, the token still went up hundreds, I think, 1,000% plus in a short time. Um, which just shows that there is much more to the dynamic of how high of a yield can you sustain, how high of inflation can you sustain than just, well, how high is the inflation, right? Because if, if interest outweighs the inflation, your value is going to go up. And I think if you look at the dollar, for example, um, it's considered a safe haven of, of fiat currencies. 
whether that's true or not is an entirely different discussion, but it's perceived this way. And with that perception, with inflation being high, it still doesn't lose a lot of value globally compared to other currencies because there's less trust in those. And I would argue that, because you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the aspect of um, essentially uh, how you compete with those high yields and you know how the chain can make profits. And I would argue the chain doesn't have to make profits. And that's the beauty of crypto. Um, the, the dApps or the, you know, the front end that the users are engaging with, the products users are engaging with is where there should be value. And the underlying blockchain, at least in Cosmos, we have the beautiful uh, opportunity to build systems for one use case, right? Our entire platform, our entire chain is going to do one thing only, which is host vaults that are IBC enabled and can trade on platforms like Kujira that people want to build, whether that is for themselves or to you know capture global capital or to manage assets for someone else. Um, and the chain does not need to make a lot of money if the value add and the usage on the front end is there. And I would argue that that is a much more sustainable way to grow. And that is also the, the value of the app chain thesis is that we have projects asking us, you know, hey, can we set up a DEX on your platform? Um, and no, <laughs> we don't want that, right? Uh, if anything, we're going to use our front end to, you know, to have someone trade on Osmosis or another DEX. But um, not every project is trying to be a do-it-all. And I think if you're not trying to be a do-it-all, the chain does not need to be as profitable as the product on it. Yep. One thing I'd just add is, um, you know, there's a new meme. I guess it developed over 2022, which was like, if you don't understand where the yield's coming from, like you are the yield. And so to Dev's earlier point, like users definitely got more sophisticated or began asking tougher questions um, because they wanted to learn more about the technology or they just got burned really bad in one of these various blowups like Anchor or um, was like, Magic money. <laughs> yeah like you just keep going olympus whatever so yeah there is that increasing desire to understand how these protocols work and then you know if optically something looks too high it's like okay well that's not sustainable how are they generating that and i don't know if i want to be invested in this long term because it doesn't feel like they can keep this going so i just i do think pe- users are asking deeper questions which which is awesome to see as a builder actually to touch on to that it's very liberating to see weight being put pull off your shoulders as a founder and i think everyone here you know uh, all the speakers can agree on this um you're grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and doing everything you can and then you go to bed at night and you realize and you think well is this going to survive if i wouldn't you know if i would stop today um and if the answer is no you get this sudden panic about well have i achieved the level of decentralization i'm going for and then you, you know, you wake up the next morning and you see community members moderating your Discord and you see them asking smart questions and you see them discussing points that you haven't even thought about. And that weight is being lifted off your shoulders. Um, and it's just amazing to see a much more educated crypto community, especially I would consider Cosmos to be leading there, to be honest, at least percentage wise of the people in the ecosystem um, with, you know, knowledgeable community members that are really pulling their way to decentralized projects. But if I can just uh, challenge you a bit uh, while you uh, 
perhaps also you, all of you really, um, say in an imaginary world, you have the exact same team working and building the exact same protocol that you guys are building. Everything is the same, except they have, I don't know, 100% inflated token um, with the same yield, let's say, and you don't, right? Just compared to Kojira, 0% uh, inflation versus Kojira V2, which has 100%. How, and I guess I can pass that on to you, Dov, first. Um, how would you sort of position yourself or attract users to Kojira and not Kojira V2 with high inflation? Maybe it's yeah. putting you on the spot here. but No, uh, no. No, it's okay. I mean, I I think that we would basically do what we did now, right? Um, I, I think that it comes down to kind of like team values in a way. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about values as in the 100% inflation is wrong and we are right. I'm talking more about like, you know, the stuff that literally drives you when you get up and, and, and the challenges that you, that you want to face. Because, you know, an inflationary project would have probably the same amount of challenges as the non-inflationary one, right? It's just literally flipped on its head. And then you've got to worry about long-term. And then the other one is much of a, much of a ball ache at the beginning. But I think that, again, I'm just going to, I can only go back to like a kind of inherent sort of like human feeling on it, because I think that people in my mind get behind something again, as I said, especially with these cycles that have gone by, I think it's, it's, it's a really, really good community angle um, and a good angle to push in that you are going like you're not, you're not taking any nonsense, if you know what I mean. You have to back your products. You have much, much, much less room for error, right? Um, which in my mind is kind of like it just makes us a bit more laser focused. So, yeah, I'm definitely not saying one way is, is right or the other. But again, I would just say that we would, we would still pursue the – the same and at the end of the day and 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 actually mark you know a few people mentioned it it, it doesn't have to be like a one a one winner situation so in that regard i think the message is just for me to just go with what feels right to you but then make sure all the mechanics are really really sound um it's a very hard thing to do and i'm sure everyone on the call will agree it's it's a very very difficult mm balance to strike no matter which way you choose and we respect projects on on either side but yeah as i say for us it's more kind of yeah like we want to honestly build a business we want to you know we will put expenses in but yeah um it's kind of a red line for us because we want to challenge ourselves to build something on top of a flat line yeah let's take a quick break here from today's sponsor Checked is a trusted data network that enables individuals and organizations to take back control of their data. Based on blockchain technology, Checked is built upon public permissionless network secured and governed by their own token, the Check token. Checked's permissionless network provides the payment rails, customizable commercial models, and governance structures for trusted data, including and not limited to self-sovereign identity making it easier for individuals and organizations to trust each other. No more data silos to be leaked or hacked. No more data sold without consent. And no more relationships and transactions without trust. For more information, visit check.io. That is check.io. 
Perfect. And Vilo, I guess uh, same question for you and the Casar team. If anything, if everything was replicated, building the exact same thing, um, how would you stand out as a I protocol? I would say, first of all, I would say the question is dependent whether or not the protocol with the higher inflation is outstripping the inflation value generation, in which case I would say it's better positioned. Um, full disclosure, we are going to launch with low inflation. So we, we went against that approach, but I would in a way consider it to be a double or nothing situation, like doubling down, but also in a very short term horizon, almost like an option, right? If anyone here is traded options, uh, nothing hurts more than having the right idea of what the stock's going to do, but it's a week later or two after the expiry date of your option. So I would argue that you're giving yourself a much shorter time frame of successfully predicting what your protocol is going to do if you do high inflation. However, if you outstrip that inflation with value generation, you are, I mean, that rocket start is hard to stop. I would say you can't fork team, you can't fork domain expertise, you can't fork connections, and you can't fork authenticity. And those things are, again, talking about indirect value drivers. I think those are the most important ones, right? Um, if you have a product, if, if someone would build Quasar, you know, and have higher inflation, and then they would just be 2% better or 3% better. But then you realize, apart from forking the code base, you know, their development is not as fast because they haven't built it from the ground up or their knowledge is not that high because they haven't felt the pain our teammates have felt, which got us together to build Quasar, right? Um, if, if you haven't had parents uh, that suffered from, you know, financial mis mishaps of governments or that actually, you know, changed countries because of the economic situation being so bad, if you don't come from a country with inflation where it's so high that the entire private sector has been wiped out, where you see outside gov government just coming in and taking everything they can right in front of your eyes. If you haven't felt that and if you haven't seen that, you will not have the passion to be better than the original Quasar team. So I am not worried about that. I'm worried about building something that people have a value with. And I think the best way to do that is, is if you are solving your own problem, which you can't do if you fork it. One other thing I just want to touch on, because we I don't think we've touched on it very deep yet, is when we talk about like this real yield and some of the considerations around like inflation or not, we have to remember that there's sort of two groups, right? Like you have your users who are using your products to earn on their crypto, and that's like one set. And so providing those users real yield like means one thing. And then you have your token holders who um, may, you know, receive inflationary rewards or even fees generated from the protocol. And so like just real yield in those two contexts just means very different things. And sometimes this group overlaps, right? Like sometimes your diehard folks that are power users are also token holders, but that's not always the case. You may have folks that are power users of your products, but they just farm and dump rewards or they just never decide to become a token holder. Like there, there's many reasons, you know, why these groups may not overlap completely. So I'd just love to hear Vallejo and Dove's perspective on like catering to each of these respective groups. Yeah, man. Um happy to to go from our side so yeah it's it's an interesting it's something that i've been um, pondering myself a bit lately because i guess initially um our journey was a little bit different because we built a, a you know that product orca and then we we 
kind of moved over to our own chain. So I guess the user base was somewhat ingrained in, in that Terra ecosystem. But yeah, I think since then, um, we have seen a shift, certainly, where we can see that there's traders alone um, and then there's the token holders. So, um, yeah, I guess for us as a, as a chain that has multiple products launching on it, um, maybe it's a little bit different. So we kind of see that there will be a kind of obviously a, a, a blockchain world and then a real world is what we're pushing to in terms of payment systems. But for now, we... We, we basically just make sure that we can launch as many protocols, as quality protocols as we can in order to keep, I guess, the more kind of insular blockchain system going for now. Um, and then in, in the same breath, um, we're actually reaching out to various e-commerce vendors and people kind of on slightly like the ground level and up. Um, so, yeah, it's not really a question of how we approach the the, the you know the average trader versus the token holder but yeah i guess in terms of our approach we're just right now just focusing on you know building the blockchain base and then um trying to expand on this payment system and the, the traders seem to be coming along but yeah we probably should you know put some more focus into that to be fair it's that's very fascinating to watch because i again you, you guys are different from from Josh's and I, my project, because you know you go, you're building an ecosystem. Um, for us, at least, I think it's uh, much clearer because um, the depositors into vault strategies essentially have a profit share agreement with the admin, right? So the, the strategy creator um, and the themselves, and the admin, right, would be someone that's either you know, let's say an influencer that's just doing, you know, mimicking his own portfolio for people to co-invest in, or it's actually, you know, a quant trader with an off-chain computer strategy, or maybe, you know, it's just a protocol actually that is solving a problem for themselves using a vault to basically put capital into one specific place and subsidizing, putting it there and controlling it by having a vault share, right? Whereas at the same time, anybody deposits into a vault is the governing party. So let's expand five or 10 years into the future, right? Um, and draw a comparison to, to traditional finance. The biggest market in our world is asset management. Um, I've written an article about this in, in the NASDAQ recently, and I didn't believe the numbers, but apparently the global assets under management are $120 trillion. If I may, I don't think I'm mistaken. I'm going to recheck it right after I'm speaking, but it's a ridiculous number. It's like 33% of the global capital is managed, no matter where it's positioned. Uh, and the reason for that, in my opinion, is because if you have markets evolving from a young state to a more sophisticated state, it becomes harder to capture value. And that value capturing accumulates on the top, right? We have a lot of um, end-stage capitalism memes you know, floating around. We have a lot of critique with the COVID situation, how the rich you know, accumulated more wealth. And I think it's just a product of more sophisticated markets, meaning that just the people that have the highest level of expertise can profit. Whereas in, you, in, in younger markets or simpler markets, anybody can profit, right? So the goal really is while you're seeing maturing markets like we at Quasar C and Cosmos being, is allowing those people on the top that have the expertise to manage them for the people that either don't have the time or don't want to manage them, or even just automate their own strategies, right? 
So it really is about connecting those parties, not seeing them as two separate players in an ecosystem. And when it comes to the actual example of the Quasar token holders, if you create a vault, you can opt in into having a profit share agreement with the treasury. It is opt-in. It is not a requirement. Why is it an opt-in? First of all, we don't want to impose that feeling of, you know, oh, you're working for the treasury, even if you didn't want it to. But if you're opting in, then Quasar token holders have a revenue share of your vault, which means for governance decisions, let's say the vault uh, wants to manage more capital, has a strategy that would be more, more profitable if you had more capital in it, the governance of the chain could vote to put community treasury funds into those strategies. And that's essentially having leverage profit share because there's already a baseline of what that vault is paying to it. And then it also has more deposits. So um, it really is a balance between creating a product that looks like an app when you go into it, that just makes you click a couple buttons like Robinhood and natively investing into non-custodial strategies on Cosmos. And also on the other side, providing the tools for you know, extreme level Cosmos and developers and strategists to create crazy shit and trade on IBC. I hope that answers uh, Josh's question um, sufficiently. I know you have some, some problems, Josh, hearing me uh, sometimes, so I'll just uh, move along uh, for our next question. This is actually a question that is quite funny to uh, look back at because when I was preparing uh, for this panel and, and writing down my questions, we were definitely in a bear market. Now, I don't know so much. People are discussing and debating. <laughs> That's not the topic for we today, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess people have opinions, right? But um, basically, the question is, we are in a bear market right now, maybe, where the next winners are hard at work building. So that's you guys, I think. Uh you guys are building something fantastic and uh, you'll probably come out as some of the big winners in the next cycle. But the question is, do you think that uh, real yields, tokens, protocols, blockchains, ecosystems, will those be the big winners in the next cycle? Just like we had GameFi, uh, all these play-to-earn games uh, coming out last cycle and and all these different high inflation tokens like Olympus DAO has been mentioned, uh, came out uh, like a like a storm uh, in the last cycle. So will real yield be the dominant force in the next cycle? Why? Why not? And I'll let you answer first, Vilo. Thanks. Um, I would say yes and no to both. Um, I would say that real yield protocols are in for the long run. Right. And I would I would compare again. I, I like to draw comparisons to make things more tangible. I would draw a comparison to Amazon. Right. Would you have asked or if, if you would have asked Amazon in every bull market, would it be the next big winner? Right. And most of them, it wasn't. Um, there is a fun fact, which is if you would have bought Domino's, the pizza chain uh, and Microsoft at the same day, 2000 or 2001, you would have made more profit with Domino's. If you don't believe me, check it up. Uh, it's actually true. And I would argue that. Um, it's the long game that matters, right? It's the, it's the long game. It's not next bull market or the bull market after that is, are you surviving between bull markets? Uh, or better yet, are you thriving between bull markets and setting yourself up for even more success? And I would say that anything that is non-real yield-based and doesn't find a way to become real yield-based, again, I would argue that it's okay to not have a lot of real yield in the beginning because you just got to start somewhere, right? Um, any project that doesn't make that switch successfully will not be successful in the long run. Any project that is real yield focused has the massive challenge of attracting users 
I would argue that those users are going to be more sticky, though. Um, the biggest reason that I think real yield projects so far have just not been that successful is because you need to convince people that without much more perceived safety, right, just by inherent smart contract risk and, and different risk in, in blockchain, I mean, there's a gazillion, um, with not much less of that, you should take much less yield. Right. And a lot of people don't see the long term vision. They just want to trade quickly. But I think the sticky users, they do. Um, but they're also going to be the ones asking the harder questions. So to phrase out, to, you know, do a summary of what I said, I would say every bull market is going to be non real yield projects blowing up and blowing upwards and blowing downwards. And I would say that any project that creates sticky user bases are going to survive beyond those markets so we get to a point where crypto markets maybe don't even affect them anymore and it's much more the desire of the user basis globally yeah i agree with valeo like you need to have product market fit and like things that are real yield based um general like and are able to actually generate those revenues like that, that sort of evidence of product market fit. That doesn't mean non-real yield things <laughs> don't have product market fit, but like, yeah, you need to survive. And so those things that have product market fit will survive. That doesn't always translate to price going up, right? There's a lot of things where price went up very, very big and uh, is no longer like alive uh, from last year. So that's like really the key thing. No project can control price. Like if you could wave your magic wand and make price go up, like every project would do that. So it's like not Death, the best. Do something. <laughs> yeah. So it's not best to optimize for price because it's just impossible to control. But, you know, finding that product market fit and listening to users is like really critical. And so those, those are the projects that are going to survive. And some of that will translate to real yield. Uh, sooner than others, right? But eventually everyone needs to find that product market fit um, for the long term. Well said. And uh, Dove? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, obviously it's much the same, but I do think that there is definitely, a, I, I don't know if it's a line in the middle, it's probably not the middle, but um, certainly from what I've seen on Twitter, there seems to be a whole lot more people um, picking up on on this because it's what you need to pick up on right Th these are the good things and talking about like you know real yield strategies and protocols and chains and whatever and so i think by the time we get you know maybe we're in it now i just i mean when it's peak mania again i think if you look back at the last um season right and you know there was terror and if you think about it what i mean is fund fundamentally in terms of tech if we could like erase our brains like a good few months, um, you know, that was really solid and that was something that was going on. But I definitely see this narrative and I hate to call it that because it, because it, it's a real thing. I do see it shifting. So again, like my view for the next cycle, I won't speak for all the rest is that like, again, pretty much as it always does, you'll get, you'll get like meme coins popping off and then you'll get, you know, people, diving madly into all sorts of crazy farms like we mentioned with millions of percent APR. Um, but if you look back at the last cycle, again, I know pretty much 
all these projects have gone through X and Y. But if you look at Solana, Terra, I'm just talking about how it went in the last bull. Um, if we just want to talk about the next one, um, I think you find those projects just sort of tick tack, tick tack, you know, their way and they kind of trudge along. And then by the time you've had this complete bull, you're like, oh, shit, you know, that's that's performed insanely well. So in my view, I see these kind of like responsible projects having a easily a big enough niche to be those ones that, you know, don't have to get like, you know, like, because your, your question was about the comparison, right? So um, I don't think there really is one. I think it's like, you know, the DJs pull into to one side and the other people go another way and the, the charts just kind of behave differently, really. I, I just pulled up the Phylama really quick and I'm looking at some of the stuff on Ethereum and like I would imagine most of those like Lido's number one, Maker's number two, you know, Ave Curve, Convex, Uni. I haven't looked at all those charts, but I imagine they're not like in a lot of them are probably not insanely uh, impressive, but their dominance and like relevance within Ethereum DeFi continues to be. So there's just like price that does not reflect reality is, is sort of the main punchline. Hmm. Do you think that will change? I don't know if you can hear me, Josh, but uh, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Well, I, I'm, I'm going I'm, to, uh, Josh, in case you can hear me, do you think that's going to change moving forward? Do-dum. <laughs> um, yeah, Josh cannot hear most of us, perhaps. But then uh, a question for you, Dov, um, because I think Kujira has quite an interesting story coming out of Terra and all the lunatics that I'm sure you guys have interacted with to some extent. Um, I always call Kujira the phoenix that arise from the ashes of Luna and the lunatics. So you sort of came from this world of high inflation and high yield and high all that, but took the zero inflation route. Do you think it's going to happen again? Like, do you think something like Luna is going to happen again? Because it, it, it seems it seems like that's your position or that's what you think uh, the DGENs come back in the next poll yeah i mean so first of all i'd like to split those <laughs> if you don't mind into two parts so of course will will, will the dgens um come back like 100 percent, 1 million percent yes for sure it's going to be mental as always um the the, the question about you know, terror, um, you know, the terror degens or, you know, that's sort of a different thing. Um, and I, I, I believe yes. Um, but yeah, as I say, I didn't, didn't want to kind of group them together. But um, yeah, you know, what I will say is that I, I, I know that a lot of people were skeptical of terror and, you know, fair enough, rightly so in the end. Um, but I think most of us were looking at that mechanic as I, I, you know, I didn't really see it as sort of like a, 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 the opposite of real yield. Obviously there was, there was inflation and it was popping off, but what I'm trying to say is there was this mechanic that was put in place, right. That many, 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 many people kind of believed in. And, you know, it was very, um, it, it was a huge experiment of course, but 
I kind of think it's a different thing. You know, I feel like it's easy to look back on this and answer it and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, like we, we just did the opposite of what Sarah did. But it's not really true. You know, like that, that was, a, was a pretty impressive, like amazing uh, experiment that obviously ended very, very, very badly. But I just wanted to say that a lot of people were kind of seeing that at that time and going, okay, you know, well, it's a, it's, it's a new dawn and, you know, trying, trying different stuff. And it's, it seemed solid for at least, a, at least a fair bit of time. But I think when it came to Kujira, it wasn't, it, that's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't a case of just going, oh, well, you know, be going against something. We weren't actually, we had been speaking about um, building a, an ecosystem actually three or four weeks before and there was any hints of, you know, any, any kind of terror drama back in the day. So um, yeah, for us, I think it was just something that we kind of felt like was a good approach, not really a, a do or die kind of moment, as I say, or, or going against one thing too heavily or the other. It was just kind of the path we, we thought would be good. If, if I may comment on that, if that's, if that's cool with you. Um, I would actually argue that um, the terror experiment is kind of the definition of non-real yield. But hear me out, because I'm not, I'm not fully, I'm, I'm not about to shit on it. Um, I think that, you know, the anchor protocol, right? I mean, obviously, there was no sustainability because it was, it was a marketing expense, right? You could actually call it that. The, the yield from anchor was a marketing expense. And what I've heard from a lot of ex-terror builders is what made this ecosystem so compelling is on one side, you have obviously the funny game mechanics that people in crypto just love, right? I mean, 90% uh, yield on stable coins is incredible. But on the other hand, you also have, um, you had incredible dev tools. You had a lot of grant money. You had a lot of support from the core team. And I would say that in a way, uh, involuntarily, you guys at Kojira uh, experienced the, the argument I was making before, which is, you know, you start off with high inflation, which, you know, is a synonym for non-real yield to drive user base. And then you go to sustainability. And your hand was forced on this, but that is essentially, in my, at least in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, what happened, right? Terra uh, became incredibly huge because on one hand, builders got capital resources and uh, dev tools they needed to build. On the other hand, you had users being heavily incentivized, very, very much so to build on it. Um, and now you, with this kind of driving user base, you've proven that you are executing what you promised, which is always the number one thing you need to, you need to really prove in crypto. And now you have, you're reaping the benefits of, of survival as, you know, as a Phoenix, as our host has said. Yeah. I mean, some of that is, is correct. I would say, um, but in terms of, so it, actually what Kujira had done, um, a good, I think about five or six months, I'm not sure how long it was, but it, it pretty decent time. We had changed our model, even within Terra. Um, back then, if, if you were staking, you would earn the exact same bar basket of rewards as you do now, but it was called SQG. Now, you know, mm. um, so yeah, so we, um, it was pretty interesting because yeah, we did, we dived, we, 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 you know, we kind of dived in and we saw the whole thing and it was great because obviously, you know, there were like lots of, you know, yield farming going on, NFTs, whatever. It was cool. It was a, you know, a big ecosystem, lo loads of stuff going on. But I just wanted to say within that, um, we worked super, super hard to move towards an idea of real, like revenue, uh, revenue dispersation rather than um, whatever the other 
you know, the other concepts are that floats around that are amazing, you know, like that was just one we chose. And actually, somewhat ironically, it's from, I think, I, I really think it was from the implementation of s which was effectively the exact same uh, mechanic that we have now. That's really when Kujira started getting taken seriously, which is pretty interesting, right? Like, because it kind of goes against, I guess, a lot of stuff. And I, I, I don't know, I think it just proves the point that People are out there, they have eyes and ears and, and they're going to see if something looks pretty unique and, and they'll find out about it, yeah? Oh, mm. I, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, just as an observer, and actually thanks for the explanation on S, uh, uh, the S token. I, I wasn't aware of that change back then in Terra. But um, I think, you know, you, you may have, you probably felt the pain more than, you know, us just kind of on the Cosmos sidelines. Um, but I would still argue that... Um, this could, this was almost the best thing to happen for you guys um, in the long run, because the way I would look at this right now is you guys having your own sovereign app chain. You are not dependent on other mechanics, right? You are the masters of the entire stack. And what I think is very interesting about that as well is um, with a project like Quasar, right? Our entire our entire value proposition is automate and create unique strategies or asset baskets of any tokens. And you know, auto compound the staking rewards, auto, you know, auto compound the LP rewards on any ecosystem on IBC. And Kojira is a prime example, right? I think with I would say you could have you know, you could have argued Anchor is a protocol, right? And it's a it's a, a product to create a strategy to create yield, right? But you were dependent on that because you were built on on the entire chain that used that token. Whereas whatever we decided Quasar or whatever people decide uh, at Quasar to build on top of Kujira, right? Whether that's a yield farming strategy or auto rebalancing of your peoples and your DEXs or loaning or leveraging, uh, it doesn't affect you because you're not built on it. And I think that one aspect is just the incredible beauty of Cosmos, which is on one hand, the connectivity from IBC, but on the other hand, the shielded um, potential damage, right? Or the, the shielded uh, risk that you are exposed to, which is really me, myself, and I, you know, for all of our own chains. Um, and it's very fascinating. I would argue that we are super excited uh, for you guys to be here in Cosmos now to to allow people to build strategies on you guys. That's that's going to be sick. Dev, quick question. How have y'all found the transition just from being an app to, you know, being your own, like, chain and platform now? Like, how has that just been for you as builders? Yeah, cool, Josh. No worries. Um. It, it was really interesting. I, I'm not sure that the kind of, um, you know, the hours or the, I, I guess the overall stress um, has changed. But one thing that we, I, I, I think we've really enjoyed it, to be honest, because, yeah, as, as Vallejo just pointed out, um, it did give us a renewed sense of, I guess, our own ident identity. And as, as he put it there, um, you know, being able to kind of carve our own way was a big deal. So, yeah, um, I'd say it's been, it's been really, really positive. We've, we've, in, you know, the working day is, 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 there's a lot more going on. As I say, we probably work the same hours, but there's so many, many different things going on, but it is really exciting. And, um, you know, everyone in the team is kind of like hustling and running around and, um, you know, whereas before, I guess, on Terra, it you know, it's more a case of just like holding on to something and, you know, just hoping the wave doesn't kind of wipe you out, if, if that makes sense. So now we have, 
um, yeah, we have we have something that we can actually just keep growing and working on and um, iterating and um, talking like this and all that stuff. So yeah, I would say it's sort of <laughs> similar levels of stress and um, but yeah, more enjoyable. Fantastic. And I guess, uh, Josh, are you able to hear us again? Because um, yep. you dropped out a yep. bit. Yep. yep. Okay, you, you can hear me now also. Perfect. Welcome back, my friend. <laughs> um, so the last question that I have on, on my list here, and then I will open up the floor uh, if there's any questions. So for anyone out there who has a burning desire to ask a question, just raise your hand and I'll, I'll, I'll put a note. But the last question that I have is uh, is basically about mass adoption. Um, we keep talking about real yields and uh, yeah, talking about that. Uh, perhaps that is the gateway for crypto to become sustainable. A lot of people talk about sustainability in crypto, not just on an environmental uh, side, but also on sort of the monetary inflationary side. Do you think, the panel here, do you think that real yield will make crypto uh, more sustainable and as a result obtain mass adoption and i'll start with you this time josh because you can hear me now yeah so oh voyo did you want to go first i think he's just requesting maybe he dropped out but uh, go ahead josh yeah so i think uh real yield you know can be really beneficial and bringing mass adoption, but I, I love like just strong user experiences and like just streamlining the entire user flow where maybe they don't realize they're using crypto or that this block, this cosmos, you know, based blockchain is powering this application. So that I'm just looking forward to like things that make like DeFi more accessible, which I think all of us do. Um, you know, strong user experiences and then, you know, more integrations with fintech apps. I think to the extent things are crypto powered, but maybe have that slick web two interface and experience. So those are like the things that I think of when it comes to mass adoption. And then when it comes to sustainability, that's when the, the real yield component kicks in for, for me personally. Well said. Just uh, doing a sound check. Valu, are you able to uh, to hear yes, us? Yes, I'm back. I felt a bit like yeah. the let me in meme uh, at the gate, but uh, yeah, th thanks for being thanks for letting me back in. Um, of course. Yeah, I guess I can I can take it. Um, so the the question was about mass adoption, right? How do we how do we get mass adoption essentially? Yeah, mass adoption and is real yield the path right. to a, right. a more sustainable crypto sector and hence mass adoption. I think that in the long run, yes, but I would still go back to um, essentially the way you drive user growth is by offering much more value proposition than what users are using, right? There is a very big uh, limiting factor when it comes to being used to something, right? We are I forgot the English term, but we are, we do what we used to, right? It's very hard for cha to change our habits. We are um, habit animals. I think that's that's the phrase. And so, if you want to convince someone that you know invests into stocks on an app and you know it takes two clicks, that no, 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 it's worth it to buy a hardware wallet and then pick it up and then have some piece of paper, but you better not lose it, not give it to anyone, and you know it starts from there. I think the real challenge for mass adoption is enabling the 
users that are passionate or you know the the DeFi natives um, and the experts to use all the tools available for self sovereignty, whether whether that's a hardware wallet or you know um, creating your own strategy or hosting your own smart contract. And then on the other hand, um, also allowing people that are just you know new to the game to have a very easy way to engage with your product. And you know it's not a coincidence that our logo is an app, right? Um, the, the future vision of Quasar is that it has the same user flow as uh, Robinhood, right? Just without all the sketchy rat's tail that investing into stocks and putting this into, into earmarks uh, on Robinhood uh, brings. And it's that, you know, Web3 auth, for example, is a very big enabler, right? Logging with Apple, logging with Google. Now, would I use that? No. But to, to say that most users wouldn't want that is false because we are in a bubble of enthusiasts and of, of tech experts that would rather not do that. Secondly, you know, fiat on-ramps like Kato Money, who, you know, we're good friends with, um, super crucial, right? Would I want to deposit with a credit card if it takes, you know, half a percent or I, I don't know how much they take? Um, probably not, but again, it would be foolish to think that most people wouldn't want to do that. And I think just making the barriers of entry for for new users as easy as possible and trying to mimic a Web2 experience only gets you so far because now you need to prove to people that it makes sense for them to switch their habits. That is easiest done in countries where the monetary system is so bad that people don't need a lot of conviction to use crypto, right? There's a reason why the highest adoption rates are in Turkey, Argentina, Russia, Colombia, right? It's not a coincidence. Um, beyond that, I think once people start seeing and hearing about what self-sovereignty allows them, I think there's a global push towards more authoritarianism in a broad scale, uh, which means that there's also consecutively a push to more self-authority in the world to allow people to see what that means and to invest into you know, what their their friends are telling them without having to go through 80 hoops and instead just downloading an app, click login with Apple, put in your credit card, and there you go. You're natively investing into Cosmos DeFi. I think that is the unlock. And the last point um, is the putting trust into what users can do, right? I think the, the way that we look at vaults is unpermissioned, right? Basically, anybody can create a vault. Um, I hope that in the future, people are going to use it to just automate their own strategies Instead, without trying to make people deposit into that or without trying to, you know, capture, I don't know, 10 million TBL from other people managing the money for them. It can also just be a user that says, look, I deposit into this LP pool on Osmosis and every week I have to log in again and I have to restake my rewards, right? Or I do this on Kujira and every week, right, I have to get the profits and put them back in. And I think the exciting revenue grower and the exciting user grower is just allowing people to fix their own problems with the solution you've provided. Beautiful. And uh, speaking of Kojira, I'll pass on the mic to you, Dov. Yeah, man. I mean, not thank you, Mark. Um, not too much to add. Like both epic answers. I mean, yeah, I don't want to beat around the bush too much, but ah. yeah, exactly as Vallejo said, <laughs> exactly as he said there, right? Um, it's a case of some of those countries actually needing those that, that kind of infrastructure. So when it comes to our payment systems that we're going to be introducing, as I've said before, I think on a few of these um, 
the team has a kind of unusual amount of experience in in point of sale, like you know, in the Web two world back in the day. Um, and so we do envision this being very much not just a, an insular crypto thing. Um, it's really going to be more of a way that we can try and bring infrastructure to people in those in those areas because i mean you know we we understand it and why you need to follow the adoption right um because we i think we all sit cushy on the fact that our currencies are safe and all that but you know let's look at what's going on you never ever know so i think that this kind of um the the, the commerce and payments uh, the payment side of of what we're doing is definitely a longer place so to go back to, you know, is that going to be the sexiest thing in the world? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure when, but maybe, you know, is that going to be the thing people follow? Again, I think, uh, as I said before, I think it's it's people are, are definitely going to move more and more towards it. And then there'll be a kind of groundswell. And I believe that if we can put these systems into place, even on the ground and in countries like Vileo mentioned and um, get people creating commerce and you know just easy stuff like just as we said before just tapping tapping the app like just moving near someone and there's your purchase done and and the guy on the other side they only need mobile phones so yeah um for us it's kind of just business as usual but yeah i do think there'll be a there'll be a kind of a big space carved out for it awesome I'll uh, open up the floor, guys. So uh, please start requesting to speak. But uh, before we uh, open up the floor, Vido and Kassar, you have uh, coming onto the scene quite strongly in uh, this year, uh, 2023. You uh, started the year with a fundraise. Can you just talk a little bit about, uh, because I think for a lot of people in Cosmos, uh, at least to me, uh, you've been uh, just coming to the scene like a storm. Uh, the past few weeks, uh, really. So perhaps you could just elaborate uh, what the fundraise is for, and uh, yeah, what are you gonna what are you gonna build in uh, this year and beyond? Hey, thanks so much, and uh, yeah, what, what th thank you so much. It's very humbling. Um, you know, th there's a saying: it's uh, people think you know stuff happens overnight, but it's just we've been working on Quasar for more than a year, um, and it just took this long for us to finally. Uh, get some big traction so yeah we couldn't be more excited that it finally happened because uh, you start losing hope after a long time and you start questioning yourself so to get valid is, is just an incredible feeling um yeah you know fundraising this market is obviously not an easy feat so i'm more proud uh i'm, I'm very proud that it worked for us and especially for you know old investors to double down like polychain capital and, and blockchain capital um I think this raise is a symbolic a countdown. I don't know if people realize that, but it's not 5.4 million, it's 5.43 to 1 uh, million. So it's a countdown to our, you know, tested and mainnet launch after such a long time of building. Um, quite easily speaking, what is Quasar? Quasar is decentralized asset management, uh, a DAM protocol, which is the best acronym ever, by the way. I love calling ourselves a DAM protocol um, that allows anybody and everybody in Cosmos to create strategies that can run on IBC. Um, and those strategies can be anything from, again, super basic stuff, like just automating a workflow. Like, let's say, again, you have an OP position on Kujira, just re you know taking the profits and just re-putting them into the pool. It can also be as sophisticated as a quant strategist coming from Wall Street, 
suddenly you know off-chain computing on a ton of data points if they should sell or buy something else and the philosophy that we are aiming for is really the independence factor right we are our own we're going to be our own app chain we're already in, in like the last private stage of our testnet and we're going to allow people to create those asset assets um ba baskets of assets which we call vaults but essentially it's just a fund which allows you to execute an ibc and the reason we are our own app chain is because we are non-partisan -par essentially right um we don't want to be a bet um anybody to use quasar and be a bet on the team or to be a bet on the Quasar chain. We wanted to be a bet on IBC and to be a bet on Cosmos. So any Cosmos project, any IBC project is what we are looking at deploying capital into, right? The TVL on Quasar is going to be incredibly low. It's going to be a lot of AUM, assets under management. So what we are starting with is an index in Cosmos because there's a big misconception for a lot of new users, which is, you know, they look at Ethereum and they see, wow, Ethereum is the commodity. I should probably buy uh, Atom, right? It's the commodity of, of, of Cosmos, right? It's, it's, the, it's the baseline token of Cosmos, right? And they don't realize that they just bought Cosmos hub tokens and not what the entire Cosmos runs on. So Cosmos has this very unique problem, which is, well, how do you bet on the future of Cosmos, right? You would have to acquire so many different tokens and then the entire thing on Cosmos is participation governance and staking. And then it's obviously beyond that superfluid staking and different sorts of depositing capital into what the protocol incentivizes and it gets incredibly complicated super fast right which is why you have a lot of people just holding one or two ibc tokens whereas we at quasar would argue you want to hold ibc as a network you want to hold what's exposed to ibc as a network so the first product to showcase the value of quasar is a vault which auto rebalances on between ibc protocols so it's an index of cosmos it auto stakes all the rewards of the tokens and gives you a vault token which is essentially a share into what that pool should look like, but also a token that you can trade, which showcases the entire IBC ecosystem. Um, and we are super excited for, you know, permissionless strategies coming, which mean anybody and everybody can just automate what they want to do anyway.